Um, we are talking about the research paper titled Facing a Psychopath, Detecting the Dark Triad from Emotionally Neutral Faces Using Prototypes from the Personality Facesaurus. Um, this paper was written by Nicholas Holtzman. Nicholas Holtzman. And uh, he is from the Department of Psychology in Washington University. So, Nicholas, thank you. You're a good man. <laughs> um, so, this is just the first episode we're doing uh, that is basically a research breakdown, right? And it's a research breakdown of a paper about essentially tracking uh, or inferring behavior from craniofacial features, right? Craniofacial features, that's just, uh, that means static facial features, basically. It means like, the shape of your skull essentially right alex right so so this paper it while he doesn't specifically say what they're looking at um what they are he is looking at faces definitely so he's a, he is looking at the 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 cranial features like you're talking about and also other features like anything that you'd see on a face um the way he organized this wasn't looking at specific traits, but rather looking at the averages of a bunch of people's faces composited together to make one face. If that makes sense. Does that make sense? It does. Um, and the reason he did that is people have done similar studies to this before, but um, they didn't ever create composites. And it was often with them wearing clothing, which is a big no-no. Um, I mean, you could see their clothing, rather. Let me clarify because you, you infer <laughs> things from clothing and hairstyle, right? So if we're just concerned yeah. with facial features, we want to, and we're just asking people to, you know, figure out types from facial features only, we don't want to have confounding variables in there, such as clothing and hair and earrings and piercings and all that. Right. So in this paper, he asked everyone to wear their hair back and to wear all of them to wear gray t-shirts so that no one would be able to infer anything about that person just based on, you know, what what graphic tee they were wearing or whether they were wearing a bow tie or anything like that. Um, so there's 48 women, 33 men. And then he did a composite. Um, he did actually did 12 um, fa composite faces, right? Yes, he did six composites of women and six composites of men. So I guess let's, let's start from the beginning. I'll let me start off on the basic breakdown of this paper and halfway through, maybe you can take it from there, Alex. That sound good. Because uh, there's a couple things I realized I already missed when I was trying to explain this. So <clears throat> he took 48 women and 33 men. Um, these subjects did self-written assessments using tests for the dark triad, which are Machiavellianism, narcissism, and um, psychopathy. Um, could you describe those three traits just briefly, Alex? Or at least in as much detail as you would like? Sure, sure, sure. So... Machiavellianism, if I can say that correctly, Machiavellianism, or however you say it, is basically personality traits that are centered around manipulation of other people, uh, being cold and unemotional, and just having an indifference towards morality. Someone who's Machiavellian doesn't mind taking advantage of other people, doesn't mind manipulating other people to serve his or her own purposes. Someone who's Machiavellian won't take a strong stance and any issues 
pertaining to morality. Um, they have a colder sense of morals. Narcissism, I think that's more of a common uh, term in day-to-day -day usage. Uh, narcissist is someone who thinks very highly of themselves. They're very vain. Um, typically, they put themselves as primary importance over the needs and wants of other people. And then psychopathy, it's highly related with recklessness and criminality and bouts of anger uh, and basically uncontrolled emotion. Um, many people will say that psychopaths are emotionless. It really depends on your definition of the term psychopath. But for the purposes of this paper, they are referring to psychopath in the sense of reckless criminal behavior or behavior that hurts others with no remorse. That was excellent. Thanks, Alex. Thank you, thank you. So, um, as we were saying, those three traits, the dark triad, <clears throat> the subjects did written self-assessments for those. Um, mm -hmm. Self-assessments aren't great, though, right? I mean, there's a lot of room for error. Right, So, but it's it's interesting to notice that he, he, he goes a step further, and he yeah. asks... He asks for assessments from people who know our test subjects. I know. I love it. And and I like that how he combined these. Um, uh, so mm -hmm. really, we're not relying purely on self-assessment. We're not relying purely on um, other people's assessments of them. So I, I think so far, you know, as we're explaining this study, I really like the way the study was done. Um, the composite faces that he created from these... Um, 48 women and 33 men, the fact that we did self-assessment and um, written assessment from other people, that's that's great. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. so then what he did was he created um, 12 prototypes um, combining these faces together in some computer program, right? Um, yes. And so these 12 prototypes are, so there's male and female, right? And there's mm -hmm. three dark triad traits, and you can be low or high on it. So if you take male and female, that's two, times the dark triad traits, you say two times three is six, and then lower high uh, times two, that's 12. So basically you have um, males with uh, Machiavellianism, high Machiavellianism, males with low Machiavellianism, uh, females with high Machiavellianism, females with low Machiavellianism, and so on and so forth. That's four, but there's 12, so you can you get the picture. What makes this, or one of the things that makes this interesting is, like you were saying, they're composites. So, like, taking just one of these sections, let's say females uh, low in psychopathy and females high in psychopathy. It's, it's only two pictures. Uh, all the females that rated low in psychopathy, like you were saying, he combined all their pictures together to make one archetypal female picture. And then all the females that rated high, he combined together to make one archetype of a psychopathic woman. And so he did this for male and female and for the three the three uh, prototypes. Yeah. And then, um, so then, of course, he brought in the people who are actually rating these faces, um, right? And then what they would happen is a screen would appear with uh, two faces on the screen, right? One on the left, one on the right. And mm -hmm. then they were instructed to rate um, each of those 12 faces on an 11-point scale, negative 5 being high-level confidence in the face on the left, and positive five being high level confident in the face on the right. So they would basically, he would describe Machiavellianism and he would say uh, between negative and five and positive five, which one displays Machiavellianism, right? Is that correct, Alex? 
Right, right. So if if the observer, he calls them observers here. So if the participants or the observers thought the person on the left was very high in Machiavellianism, they would move the scale to negative five. And if they thought they were very confident that the person on the right was very high in Machiavellianism, they would move the scale to positive five. And if they weren't sure which one it was, they'd leave it right in the middle at zero. Yeah. If it looked like they were both the same, then they would put a zero. Um, and then keep in mind, right, when he presents these two faces, the two faces are always one person very high in the trait and one person very low in the trait in reality, like based on the actual tests, right? Mm-hmm. So in, re- in reality, one composite is a very high Machiavellianism, one composite is a very low Machiavellianism. And so basically, uh, these observers ranked people that way, ranked the 12 faces that way. Uh, and when comparing the rankings from the observers to the actual written self-assessments and the assessments from the acquaintances of the subjects, uh, it was a really good p-value. It was below 0.001, right? Um, So far beyond random chance, you can infer dark triad traits just by looking at someone's static facial features, not their hair, not their clothes, not the way they talk, not the way they act, just looking at their faces. And that's insane, right? Like, holy, holy cow. What's crazy is that all, all three of these, you know, it wasn't just like they could they could figure out Machiavellianism, but they couldn't figure out psychopathy. But all of these, uh, for males and females, there was a, there was a significant... Um, Delta difference, standard deviation. I'm not sure what you're looking for, sorry. <laughs> Um, there was a significant correlation. Am I saying, is that the right term? I always, I always confound correlation and association. Anyways, basically they guessed correctly a amount of times that was significant. Um, something you noticed, Alex, that I didn't was, um, that the P value for females was much lower than the P value for males. People accurately, so people accurately ranked males and females very well, but they ranked females much better than than males, right? Right, right. They were both significant, but um, the author was much less confident in the significance of the males that were ranked versus the females. Right. In his mind, at least, there is beyond a shadow of a doubt that the females were ranked well and that this could be repeated. But for males, he was basically saying that there needed to be more research done with maybe more pictures of males in the composites. Because uh, like you were saying, he used less pictures of males when he made his composites than he did of females. Was it effect size or p-value? Like, did people actually get the rankings correct on males for the most part? People got the males correct less often. But the p-value is still fairly low when ranking males, right? It was low enough to be significant. But he... Despite, even though it was low enough to be significant, he's still not comfortable with the numbers he got for males. And so he gave a reason for that, didn't he? His just proposed reason was that he had uh, more women than men, right? Yeah. So he used, I think the number was 43 women when making the female composites. 48 women and 33 men. And then 33 men. So much less, much fewer men than women. And so that's that makes sense. Yeah. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I would buy that, though, because... Well, let's face it, men on average are, uh, they probably have more of these dark triad traits 
on average, right? <laughs> uh-huh. So because we kind of like think in logs, logarithmically, if men are already like five times higher on all these dark triad traits than women, then these craniofacial features are going to be less diagnostic um, on typing men uh, than they are on typing women. So like, let's say women on average are like threes on the scale of one to 10, 10 being evil, let's say, or very dark triad-esque. <laughs> uh, and men on average are six. So craniofacial features maybe like will push that number one or two uh, points above, above or below when you're looking at someone. But the relative difference cranial facial features make in your own assessment is greater when looking at women. Does that does that make sense? So because men are already more Machiavell, let's I'm gonna stop saying that word. Men are already more narcissistic and psycho psychopathic on average. Um, that the differences that you at least perceive are less. I can see that. I can see that being the case. Because you automatically assume men are more psychopathic than women, because they are. <laughs> I, I, I will say that even looking at the pictures of the composites here, like the difference between the women that are low on these on these scales and the women that are high on these scales is greater, at mm -hmm. least in my eyes, than the difference yeah. between the males. Right. This show is sponsored by people like you on our Patreon. Um, why join our Patreon? Well, there's all sorts of benefits. For example, uh, Patreoners get first dibs when we do polls to select new topics, things to talk about. Uh, Patreoners also get first choice when it comes to us choosing people to type. Also, people to bring on to interview. So if you're interested in any of that, uh, I recommend you come and check it out. Uh, thank you again. This isn't the first paper that's done something like this. And we're not the first people to say that maybe you can infer personality traits based on the way someone looks and their craniofacial features. Um, you might liken physiotype, uh, if you're feeling especially pejorative, to phrenology. Um, that was like the first kind of, I think, like well-known pseudoscience related to uh, trying to infer the way trying to infer behavior from people's skull shapes. And so I'm not making the point that phrenology was correct, but I'm making the point that physiotype isn't new, right? Um, we've always thought that you could kind of infer people's behavior, or at least the way they, the way they tend to act from their facial features. And this paper, this is just one paper, right? But this is a pretty good paper. This is a pretty solid paper for proving uh, it's not correlated to physiotype, or at least we're not correlating to it to physiotype in this podcast. We can do that at a later time, and, we, and and I think we're planning on it. But right now, what me and Alex are trying to indicate is that, hey, you can infer certain types of behavior or traits from physical static facial features, um, which is just amazing. And in fact, there's three other papers that me and Alex want to talk to you about. We're just doing this one today because um, these are all big subjects. But all four of these papers uh, kind of point in the same direction, and... I just think it's it's quite obvious that static facial features are slightly diagnostic uh, in predicting behavior. And the amazing thing is that no one seems to care. Like, there's no mainstream science or mainstream philosophy or thoughts about this clear fact. 
Like, this is amazing that we can do this, and no one seems to care or notice. I was just perusing, you know, today as I was reading over this paper again, and I was looking not only at the references of this paper, but also at, you know, other papers that came up when I went to the journal to, you know, to download this one. And, like, there's dozens upon dozens upon dozens of different papers looking at different, you know, doing different kinds of sampling, doing different kinds of testing to try to show that there is some kind of connection between visual features in a person and their personality. But yeah, I mean, like you say, it doesn't make its way to mainstream culture. The last time I heard about it in the mainstream was probably a couple of years ago when that paper came out saying that people could guess if you were left or right, left or right wing politically uh, based on your face. And I mean, like that seems huge. You can guess if someone's going to be going to vote d- Democratic or Republican based on their face. Like there's so many possible uses for that in, in the political scene and the scientific event, you know. Yeah, the delta between the applicability of this and its lack of use is huge and surprising and amazing. I can't help but but think that a lot of it might be because of the direction that this could take yeah, like if if this was more mainstream people could misuse this information more easily and you could you could end up with phrenology again you know or people trying to misapply you know saying uh such and such as race is bad because their head shape is a little different exactly yeah i think the reason why this isn't taken seriously or used at least um used at least in the public, admitted to being used, is obvious, right? I mean, if you're predicting the way people act and behave by their facial features, that can easily lead to all kinds of different prejudice and racism and and sexism. And then look at our culture now where we have become overly sensitive to uh, calling things racist when they're not, calling things sexist when they're not. Uh, This is not a great time in our culture to be using a science that shows that you act differently based on the way you look. That is the exact opposite of uh, <laughs> this postmodernist culture that we're knee deep in right now. And, and to be fair, like, honestly, most people, even if this were to become a mainstream science, most people would misapply it. Yeah. People have a hard time understanding that certain things only work in averages and don't work on an individual basis. Exactly. Yeah. The the average differences in a group are nothing compared to the individual individual differences in, within that group. Um, and it's obvious why this kind of science is controversial as well. I think it's very useful. Um, I think there's potential for harm, but I also think that the the political outrage uh, on these this kind of science on on biological sciences is way overblown as well so this is something that yes it's dangerous but it's also more more than it being dangerous it's also just um a political disaster for anyone who advocates for any sciences relating to this kind of thinking you know what i mean imagine physiotype were to become mainstream and somehow we you know it was proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that it was legitimate and it was mainstream and everyone believed in physiotype and uh, a group of people come into political power and decide that NTPs are from the devil. 
gives you gives you a whole new way to discriminate people. Exactly, exactly. Um, and again, like we're talking in averages, right? But I think even myself, like people don't intuitively understand that the average doesn't necessarily relate to the individual. So you could see the opposite being true that like NTPs tend to be more creative in specific topics. Uh, and now suddenly, you know, the next president for the next, I don't know, the next 10 presidents are, to be elected will all be NTPs because they're NTP and not, no other reason. This being misapplied has a huge potential for anything merit-based to be lost. Exactly. Yeah, and it's we do have a tendency to overstate group differences. For instance, like let's say um, you're comparing SFJs and STJs, and SFJs are on average more friendly. Let's say if you could quantify friendliness, which you know obviously that's kind of silly to do, but let's say you could as an example. You know, SFJs are probably they're they're a bit more friendly than STJs, sure, um, but. The difference between the average friendliness of all SFJs and the average friendliness of all STJs, that delta is so much smaller than the average difference between uh, between individual people, you know. Sorry, the, so the standard deviation, like the, uh, the, the delta between, you know, SFJ and STJ friendliness might be X. But, you know, the standard deviation of friendliness among the entire population is probably, you know, X times five. Like, the individual differences are always so much stronger than these group differences. So, yeah, you can see a lot of potential for abuse for this, for physiotype and for other sciences related to this. Um, you know, especially in a communist society, you can imagine... Uh, all right. <laughs> we will now kill all SFP. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Easily. So, so, yeah, absolutely plenty of potential for abuse. Um, so, I don't think it's a good reason to not pursue this science because... I think truth is more important, but I can see this being a reason for at least for like on a subconscious level for people pushing back on the idea. I mean, the few times that it has been brought up into mainstream culture, it has been misused. A phrenology was misused by multiple governments multiple times. Um, and again, I'm not giving legitimacy to phrenology. Like I'm not saying it was even correct. Like any version of it was correct. But if there ever was a version that was correct, like it definitely wasn't the version that everyone picked up and used to discriminate against everyone else. No, of course. So, yeah, no, it doesn't. It doesn't even feel good either. Like your knee-jerk reaction about this kind of thing doesn't feel good. What's left to say on this paper? I feel like we've covered it. I think we have. I kind of maybe we should talk about where the podcast will head based on like further research breakdowns. Um, the things the the, the one podcast we're going to have to have to make these research breakdowns more applicable to physiotypes specifically. We, we definitely need to have an episode, maybe even next episode, um, breaking down big five. Yeah. Which is the personality system that most, if not all scientists use in, in their research of psychology and in their research of, you know, human emotion and personality traits. So we definitely need to discuss big five and I guess try our best to map it to physiotypes. Um, obviously they're different systems, so they're not going to map perfectly, but I do think there's enough there that we can, we can at least draw inferences about how this would relate to physiotype. And we definitely have to map big five to physiotype because 
Big Five, as far as I know, is like the only, um, I don't want to call it personality typing because it's not technically what it is. Whatever you want to call it, um, behavior typing. Um, behavior model, maybe? Sure, whatever. It's it's the only thing like that that's used in uh, the scientific community. Like you don't see papers talking about MBTI or, or Enneagram. Like, of course not. It's the Big <laughs> Five all the way. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Yeah, we'll have to have an entire episode about Big Five, mapping it to physiotype. That way, when we do these other research breakdowns that we have planned, it's going to tie it into physiotype more. Like, notice in this podcast, we didn't talk about how this paper maps to physiotype, which types are more dark triad types or whatever. We're just using this pod, this this episode to talk about that it's possible. Um, so, like, for instance, we'll give you one little tidbit here. Uh, disagreeableness is one of the traits in the Big Five. Um, and disagreeableness, agreeableness, that dichotomy tracks with the prone-supine dichotomy in physiotype. Um, but as you know, there's four others, so we'll, we'll talk about those later um, in the next, in the maybe next episode. I've posted the picture of the female composites on Reddit, by the way. So oh, awesome. if anyone's listening and wants to take a look at the picture and take a guess at which side ranked high in the triads and which side ranked low in the dark triad, um yeah go to our reddit and check it out we'll give you the answer later what do you think of these pictures you see what i was saying about how like the men are way more supine where are they uh page 651 oh yeah like the women you can definitely tell they're more prone on the right than on the left but the men they're both both sides are pretty supine so i don't know if it was that they just got a weird sample or what we were saying before that just men are typically going to rank higher or you know yeah you're right the men look less prone than the women do Mm-hmm. i wonder why that is yeah yeah i'm not sure clearly people were seeing something though so if they weren't looking at the proneness of the eyebrows they must have been looking at something else when they guessed correctly but yeah yeah we should um, we should see if Mister Holtzman wants to come on this podcast. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that. He's got a he's got a whole website, so clearly he's committed to this topic. Is this? I, I kind of want to talk about our future possible podcast episodes. Is this a good time? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So a, as we said, right, we're gonna do one whole episode about the Big Five, right, and as it relates to physiotype. Definitely. We- We've already done Q&As, and we probably want to continue to do a, a bit of Q&As, at least half an episode as a Q&A every once in a while, at the very least. Um, and do you want... So I think it was my idea originally to interview different types. How do you feel? Would you like to do that? Or what, you, what are your thoughts I, on that? I would Alex? love to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the interviews would be like... It wouldn't be like asking them about physiotype. It would just be like asking them these very important questions like their philosophical views so that we can demonstrate, you know, oh, this is clearly a SFJ or a NT, NT, uh, J or whatever. Um, yeah, I think that would in be useful. In fact, it, it would, it would almost be in our benefit if they didn't know much or anything about physiotype, because we'd be more likely to get, to not get, um, confirmation bias. Um, whatever you call that when your, uh, participants want to, uh, see your project succeed. I forget the name of that term. You know what I'm talking about though. I do know what you're talking about. So yeah, listeners, um, if you would like to come on the podcast, we can't have all of you, uh, but we are going to be choosing a few specific ones, uh, specific types too, 
Um, probably not going to do more than one of each type, <laughs> but at least, at least for a while. Um, but if you want to be on the podcast, uh, then send me or Alex a message um, on Reddit or uh, ho- however you want to contact us. And also send a picture of your face if you're not sure that we've already typed you. Um, and then keep keep the questions coming as well, whether that's through Instagram, Reddit, whatever, because um, we'll do another QA eventually. And um, yeah, I think we should uh, reach out to people who like um, biologists or psychologists who have shown an interest in this type of science. Um, that would be great to have them on. And I'll, I'll leave a link to this paper too on, in the show notes. But uh, yeah, this guy's got a website, Nicholas Holtzman. And he talks about the dark triad a lot in his website. So maybe he'll be interested. Let's see. One of the papers I read used the Chicago F- Face database, I think. Remember that? That was, man, I love the Chicago Face database. That database is like, that's great because it's, um you know, it has like what? Like 700 pictures of people and all of their cranial facial features, like every single thing you could think of is measured. So it's like, wow, um, we're, we're definitely going to end up using that in 20 years when we finally write a paper. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, anything else you want to cover? This episode was a little shorter than usual, but I feel like we, uh, we've wrapped it up nicely. Yeah, I think we did. We were more concise this time, which is good. Um, I was a little less, uh, frenetic um (laughs) i'll have to look that word up once this podcast is over to make sure i used it right um (laughs) uh but in my conclusion you know it is glaringly clear that you can at least to an extent infer behavior or thought processes from static craniofacial features this is not up for debate and hopefully as we, uh, you mentioned four, but you know, even now I've already added another three papers to that list. So like, hopefully, you know, whenever we get around to doing these other papers, that'll become more obvious that it isn't just one fringe research paper coming to this conclusion. No, this was a really nice one to read too. Like there's a lot of research papers out there that is like murder. I mean, they're all murder, but this one was the least murdery to read. So I'm going to really have to, you know, it's, I have a hard time doing anything besides scrolling through my Instagram feed, but, uh, I'll weld my feet into the floor and read those papers that you found and, uh, we'll get something good out of them. I think these, the four papers that we talked about before, those are like the only four papers I've ever read in my life because I just, uh, I I can't read actually. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) No, I mean, I can read. I just, you know, (laughs) It takes a while. It takes I was a born in 1991, and I have severe ADHD, and I spend eight hours on my phone a day. So you know that's that's what I mean when I say I can't read. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, very good. So next episode, um, Big Five, go check out our Reddit to get more information. Check out the show notes to get the link to the paper. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Alex. Thank you again, guys, for listening in. Uh, If you liked the show, or even if you didn't, please leave us a review on iTunes or wherever it is that you listen to your podcast. Uh, It helps us a lot. It helps us get noticed by the uh, algorithm. It helps us figure out what you guys want to hear. So, yeah, please, please, please. If you want to help us out, that is the way to do it. Thank you, and see you in the next one.